fun pictures. These would be good pictures to print. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, especially like print them on metal. That's what I'm thinking. The metal would make it really pop out. Yeah, gorgeous. Almost like the the bark of the tree and stuff, the, that texture just jumps out on a metal print. Wow, aren't you sounding artistic, Bill? That's my big words for the day. <laughs> metal print. Welcome to the Winnie and Bill Chat Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 6, and we're calling this one, Wish I Was on Vacation. Hello, my name's Winnie. That was my husband, Bill. We are the owners of Quiet Shutter Fine Art and Photography, and this is our podcast. So the way we do our podcast is we will post nine photos to our Instagram account, which is Quiet Shutter Photo. And we're going to chat about those photos, what went into them, what's the story behind the picture, whatever comes up. And this week, uh, we're talking about our weekend, I guess. Right, Bill? Right. Yeah, we called this I Wish We Were On Vacation because this time last year, we actually had taken a nice big long vacation. And this year, we just didn't feel comfortable doing that. So. I know that you have been itching to go on vacation. and you really have what they call spring fever. Maybe that's what we should have called this episode. Spring fever. Could be. That might be more appropriate. That might title. be better. That might be what we could what we go with. But I know that for the past three weeks, every single day you've been looking on the computer at cheap flights to different places and I know in the in the places that are probably the easiest to get to are places that we don't want to have anything to do with right now. Right, like Florida. Yeah. Sorry, Florida. Sorry, don't mean Florida. to dish you, but there's a lot of college kids in Florida right now. And I don't think I'd want to be in Florida this time of year, even when there isn't a pandemic happening. No, it's always crazy time down. Too there. crazy. Too crazy. I've been in hotels where there's you know, college kids in the room next door having a party and hooping it up. And yeah, we're beyond that. Yeah, we're too old for that. <laughs> Although, evidently, we're not too old to stay up all night because that's kind of what we did this weekend. Yeah, we right? kind of did that this weekend. Our, our sleep patterns are a little off at this point. I'm, I know mine are. <laughs> so instead of going on an exotic vacation or an adventurous vacation, we did a, I guess they call it a staycation, right? Yes, Kinda. although we didn't stay still very long, but we stayed home for the most part. Well, we stayed in Michigan, and um, we we tried to cram as much into our weekend as possible, and uh, that started with the rumor um, with some of the people that we follow on social media um, that there was going to be Northern Lights. And I said, when? Yeah. Well... <laughs> It's so funny when someone says when I see that on the Internet all the time. People who um, are not dedicated to following Northern Lights and whatnot, and they'll hop on 
the pages that are um, um, their subject is the Northern Lights, and they'll say, "What time should I go out to see the Northern Lights?" When do they turn them on? Yeah, well, it you know it's unpredictable. It is very unpredictable. Even so, with the experts who think they know what they're talking about, are very often very the often experts off are way off by a little bit. Yeah. So um, for season two, we have promised that we would start every podcast with an inspirational quote or something. And today's uh, inspirational uh, message is a quote. And the quote is, in a world full of sunsets, be the northern lights. How do you like that one, Bill? That's appropriate for today. I think I might cross stitch that on a pillow. (laughs) Oh, don't do that. I like it, though. Be unique. Be something that's a little less common. I agree. But you don't need to do the cross stitch. All right. I won't do the cross stitch. But do you want to look at our first picture? Sure. So we're going to start off with um, talking about the Northern Lights. Um, But we cram more into this weekend. So stay tuned if you get bored of us talking about Northern Lights because there's more adventures to come. But this first picture is, uh, boy, those Northern Lights were amazing. Right, Bill? They were, and they were different colors than I've seen before, too. It's, um, we have seen, I mean, because we make an effort, we have seen Northern Lights many, many times, right, in our lifetime. Right, right. Do you remember the time that we were driving home when we lived in Sheboygan? We were driving home from, I think we'd been at Park of the Pines, actually, and and um, there was amazing Northern Lights in the sky, and we're all craning our necks to look out the windows to see the northern lights. And we got pulled over by the police. Yeah. Do you, do you remember that? And yeah. we were really close I to I noticed our, you're swerving. Yeah, you're swerving on the road. Have you been drinking tonight, sir? No, just looking up too much. Do you remember what Lauren said? Little Lauren, she must have been about seven years old in the backseat. Yeah. You said the police officer said, have you been drinking, sir? And you said, no, no. And her little voice in the backseat said, yes, you have, dad. You had coffee before we left. You had a cup of coffee before we left. (laughs) The police officer (laughs) kind of rolled his eyes. That's probably what made him not scrutinize us too much. Probably. But you did say, I'm looking at the northern lights. Look at the northern lights. He could have cared less, I think. Yeah. 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 He's a sunset. Yeah, sundowner. <laughs> so, um, so, oh, it's hard to it's hard to be dedicated to the Northern Lights because you don't know if they're going to be early in the night or late in the night or early in the morning or so. Um, Friday night, we knew that there was a prediction for Northern Lights either Friday night into Saturday morning or maybe Saturday into Sunday morning or maybe both. Right. I think the prediction actually was. We're fairly early after dark. They might come on fairly early tonight. So I think actually that was for Sunday night because Saturday night was when they were first, the event was first reaching the atmosphere. Okay. And so they thought it might be later, but so you and I decided we would go to sleep and that we would get up at 11. Yeah. 11. That's it. And that we would, get out and check. Now we are fortunate. We live on Lake Charlevoix, so we can go out and go down to the lake and have a look. We don't have the best view here, but you can at least see if anything's happening. Right. And uh, we thought we'd go check. And if they were happening, we'd get in the car and go somewhere um, that had a better view. So 
you went to bed fairly early, like maybe seven, seven, eight o'clock, something like that. And, and I set I, my alarm for 11, if I remember right. Well, no, you said, why don't you just go ahead and wake me up? Because I couldn't go to sleep. I was wide awake and I knew I would just toss and turn. So I made myself cozy on the couch with uh, some Netflix movies and just kind of tried to rest. And at about 11 o'clock, I went into the bedroom and I gave you a little shove and I said, Bill. And you rolled over and said, what? I don't remember any of this. I know you don't. And honestly, by then I was getting tired. So I thought, I'll just crawl in bed for a while and maybe we'll wake up in a couple hours. So so at 3 a.m. when I normally wake up. And I was sleeping like a log. <laughs> I got up and I, I looked out the bedroom window and I went, man, I think I might see these lights. I, so I got dressed and I said to you. I'm just going to go take the camera and go down to the lake, take a couple pictures and see if there's any northern lights at all. Now, we should back up a minute. Before you went to bed, we did get our cameras all ready to go. We did. Because there is some prep that you really ought to do if you're going to do night photography. And that means, you know, you want your camera on a tripod, number one. Um, you have to finagle all your settings so that they're right for night photography. You want to focus your camera ahead of time on infinity and take it off of autophoto and even tape the lens into place so it doesn't get knocked askew. Yeah, we always tape our lenses in place once, once they're in focus. Otherwise, it's virtually impossible to focus. So in hard that, to in focus the in the dark. Um, so we had them all ready to go and we had them waiting by the door. We did. So I grabbed one of the cameras, went down to the lake. Took two pictures, and sure enough, there was pretty good northern lights going on. So I took a picture with my cell phone on the back of the camera and sent it to you and said, it's happening. Yeah, so I looked at that, and also on my phone, there was a, um, oh, an like, what do you call that? Not an emergency notice, but a... It was an Aurora notice. Right, we have an app on our phone, our cell phones that um, let you, if you click on the app, you can check all of the stats, all of the um, NOAA stats on whether conditions are right for Aurora. But if there's really good Northern Lights, it will send you an alert. And so there was alert on my phone that there was Northern Lights. And of course, Bill sent me the picture. So I got up and I got dressed and ready. And it was actually a pretty warm night, but still, you, you know, dress up kind of warm. And yeah. by this time, you'd come back to the house. Did. And so we grabbed our stuff and away we went. And so um, this first picture is not, these aren't in, in order. I should have put these in order. But um, this first picture is taken at a little roadside park near Charlevoix on Lake Michigan. And this is a, this is a nice little roadside park that we've gone to many times. Jim Doty takes the photography workshop there every year. Um, it's nice because there are some... Uh, wooden decks built um, on the edge of the water. So it's easy to set up your camera nice and level and safe. There's uh, in the summertime, they're not open right now, but there's actually some restrooms there and, um, but it's pretty dark. So that's where we went. And you, we got this first picture that you'll see on our Instagram. And um, so the lake is very flat. And part of that is due to a long exposure um, picture. And then there's a little, would you call that a tree or a little bush? It was a tree. It looks 
kind of miniature in this picture, actually, but this was taken with a wide angle camera. So it kind yeah. of spreads things out and sometimes squats things a bit. But um, I was saying to you at the time, two years ago, this was a little island that you could actually practically walk out to. And now the water's up pretty high. So it- I think last year, because the lakes were so high, they don't seem to be as high this year so far. But yeah. last year, they were so high, it eroded a lot of those little spits of land. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of things that are just flattened out even if they were uh, popped out of the water quite a bit last year they the water just kind of flattened things out so it uh, um, wasn't a whole lot of land left there but it is a little tree it's a little tree and the oh the northern lights are were just spread all across the horizon green purple orange just the orange was what kind of caught my eye it was a color that you don't see all that often a lot of times you'll get the purples and the greens and the green is most common to see yeah yeah. but there was a few pictures that we took that were a lot of orange and not a whole lot of anything else either but yeah you know i don't think i've included one of those where i got more orange but i think also a little bit of fog now this was at 3 34 o'clock in the morning right right Right. So a little bit of um, atmosphere of some sort was was coming in, whether it was fog or a little bit of moisture, which I guess is what fog is. But and it changed the color completely. It did. It really did. In so, short but, time, actually. Yeah. And it's amazing. It happens before your eyes. Yeah. Now, we should also mention that um, when looking for the northern lights, this particular night, you really could see them with your naked eye. Yep. But cameras are so. Um, so technically advanced that the camera will pick up light and contrast and color that you can't see with your own eye, especially at night. Um, uh, and Jim Doty goes into the science of it at his workshops about why our eyes can't see color that well at night and how long it takes for your eye to adjust to the dark, et cetera, et cetera. I won't go into all of that, but um the pictures that you'll see of Northern Lights often are um, more spectacular than what you might see with your uh, with just your naked eye. But this particular night, you really could see them with your without a camera. Yep, you could, and that isn't always the case. But um, yeah, you could th- that night for sure. So let's go to our second picture, okay. and this we made a little pit stop on our way out to Lake Michigan at. Um, the Lavender Farm, which we have talked about before on our podcast, the Lavender Farm is uh, located in, would you call it located in Horton Bay, Michigan? Yes. I think it might be listed places as Boyne City, but it's really Horton Bay. It's on Horton Bay Road. And yeah, it's 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 closer to Horton Bay than, than Boyne City or Petoskey. And we highly recommend visiting the Lavender Farm in the summer when the lavender is blooming. It can't be beat. But um, we stopped there on our way to the lake. They have a um, parking lot that is across a little pond from the farm. And so we pulled in there, we set up our cameras and snapped a couple of pictures. And so this picture shows, I guess you would say, the silhouette of the barn and some of the buildings at the farm. Right. Um, and the northern lights going on. This is really, you know, it's a good northern lights night when you can see them at the lavender farm because. The lavender farm isn't low to the horizon like where the lakes are. Yeah, this is probably the lavender farm sits kind of 
partway up a hill. Um, but it's a but, really rolly, terrainy yeah, area. Yeah, and and it's a good two hundred foot elevation above the the lake level. So, so the northern lights have to be pretty high in the sky to. Yeah. And so, what do you think of this picture, Bill? What do you like about it? I think it turned out good. It shows a lot of the different color that we saw that night. Um, the what looks like a road in the middle of the picture is actually uh, a, wooden a wooden boardwalk, path, eh? like yeah. a, a boardwalk. Yeah. Um, if you go to Lavender Farm for a tour, they will actually pick you up in your car and drive a golf cart across the little cart there, and people walk across there as well. And they've got a little the little ponds that are there. Um, I think that's where they get their water for watering. I think the, that's probably where they irrigate everything yeah. from. Yeah. Yeah. And the la- and the northern lights in this picture are bright, bright green. There's some pretty spectacular purple in this. Yeah. Some even the green even is yellow in places because it's so bright. Yeah. The bright red um, in the picture is actually a security light, I believe, that was going off. Yeah. We were darn there. that security light. I mean, yeah. I could have photoshopped it out of the I'm picture. Say we but... could have played around with the lock, lock a long time and got rid of it, but it was just kind of, we, we thought it was fine there. Yeah. And actually, there was nobody out at four o'clock in the morning, but um, to the left of, in this picture, there is, is the actual road. And honestly, I wouldn't have minded if a car had have driven by the road and I could have captured the, the lights trailing, you know, yeah, we've. We've done some starry night pictures there before and had the the light trail from cars going by there. And they, they kind of adds to the picture, quite honestly. Yeah. Well, we love the lavender farm and it was fun to see the northern lights with the barn, the silo in particular in yeah. the foreground. Um, northern lights can happen any time of the year. This is March and... Um, We've seen really good northern lights in the summer, and that is spectacular when it happens because you can go outside in the middle of the night and not freeze. <laughs> right. Yeah, actually, um, and I don't know why, but it seems like the month of August is always good for northern lights around here. I know. August into September yep. can be really good. Yeah. Um, it's and, nice in August because, like you say, it, it's nice and warm, and you don't mind being out. You can right. be out all night, and it's kind of nice. But, and you hear the frogs and yeah, there's so much crickets. else going on. Yep. Actually, speaking of that, while we were um, taking these pictures at the lavender farm, we heard a couple of owls. Oh yeah, that was cool. Two, so, I think, a pair of owls that were hooting back and forth to each other. Yep. So we found that was pretty cool too. That was cool. And spooky at the same time. They make a spooky sound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like to, I, I, I hope we can get Northern lights in the summertime too, because it's really fun to be out there and just smell the lavender plants, you know, when they're. Oh yeah. And this, yeah, the, the smells is incredible. There. It's incredible. Yep. Yeah. All right. And then our third picture of the Northern lights, and this might've been my favorite picture of the night. And um, this was a good one. Yeah. Do you want to describe this one, Bill? This one is uh, in, in out at the uh, same park where we were on Lake Michigan. Um, and you can see in this picture, we were right down at water level with this one. And uh, you know what? I just had a birthday. You just had a birthday. Now we're both 58 years old. Yeah. And I'm pretty proud of us for crawling around in the middle of the night in the dark on the really rocky, uneven shoreline of Lake Michigan. 
I, I think yeah, we should you know, be there are some really beautiful sandy beach areas of, of North of Lake Michigan. Um, this was not one of them. This is not one of them, as um, you can see in this picture. Yeah, and there, it was just nothing but of a lot of rock. And we laid down in the rock and, and set up the tripods really low. And we actually, these rocks that... Um, boulders. Boulders really. that are right in front at the very foreground of this picture. Um, we actually did a little thing called... Um, light painting. Light painting, thank you. Yeah, um, so what we did was when you're taking pictures of the Northern Lights... And this might be technical for those of you who could care less, but um, you set your camera up so that when you hit the hit your shutter, when you click to take the picture, the shutter inside the camera will open. Normally, when you take a picture, it opens and shuts pretty quickly and it captures your image. But at night, it needs to be open longer to absorb that light and create the image. So um, we had our camera set up so that the um shutter would be open for 20 or 30 seconds. And so um, in the middle of the camera capturing the image, we just very quickly took the um, a flashlight and quickly passed the flashlight light across these boulders in the foreground. Just really quick. Like, what would you say, Bill? Two seconds? Yeah, just on and off, basically. On and, off. and it lit the rocks up just enough so they would show up to be more than just silhouettes in the in the front of the picture. So it just gave us a little bit of a different look. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was fun. It's fun to experiment like that. Yeah. And um, yep. so, so this- after after we took this picture, um, you know, the northern lights kind of faded down a little bit. They were you could still see them, but um, not as not as bright as it was in this picture. And we thought, well, they must be fading out. We should. Um, and, and they we- happen sometimes just that fast. Yeah, right? you'll be on and off. Yeah, we, I remember a time when we saw Northern Lights here on Lake Charlevoix and uh, we decided that we wanted to go over to Lake Michigan to get a better view. And in the amount of time, what does it take? 10 minutes for us to drive there? Yeah. In the amount of time it took us, the lights flared up. Spectacular. Do you remember that? Because we were like, should yeah, we just stop? We should, should just we? stop in the middle of the road and take a picture. And we didn't. <laughs> and by the time we got to the lake, they were done. And yep. that was it. Yep. We were so mad Never at to ourselves. return that night. Yeah, it was done. So we thought they were finished. And so because it was already four o'clock in the morning and yeah, our plan we- was to head up to the UP in for day for, for sunrise yeah. to catch the sharp-tailed grouse that this time of year are um, gathering in a lek and starting their mating ritual. So we decided that we would I guess we needed to head back to the house just to pick up a couple things, like maybe money to cross the bridge. <laughs> yeah, we thought we'll run back there, grab a couple things, and we'll head for the bridge. Maybe there'll be lights. Maybe we'll at, we'll get at the at Mackinac, Mackinac bridge. bridge. As we were going through Petoskey, they came back. The Northern Lights came back up, and the whole bay. If you're familiar with Petoskey, the little Traverse Bay there. It was just dancing. There were we should have stopped and take pictures of them. We, we should have stopped. Well. They'll we'll be going get to on the bridge. We get to Mackinac. Yeah, we'll stop at the bridge. Well, by the time we got there, it was over. They were done. Yeah. yeah. I've never, you know, Petoskey, we often will avoid for taking Northern Light pictures because there's a lot of city lights. There is. So yep. a lot of light pollution. And that will dilute the intensity of the Northern Lights that you see. But um, right over the bay there, and this is right in town, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff buildings and light and 
um, you could see the Northern Lights just the shooting their spires and just with your own eyes while driving, while your headlights are on, while the city street lights are on. Yeah. Like I think a lot were, of it probably was the fact that the the water was really calm too. So they were they were reflecting onto the onto the water and almost across the whole bay. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, we really and you said it, Bill. It's my fault, really. You said, let's just dip down to the marina there and and just try a couple of pictures. And and I said, Well, if we hurry, we can get to Mackinac and Yeah. So hope my, somebody my got them. Hope somebody got some pictures of. I imagine because the chatter online was there were people everywhere that were aware that Northern Lights could happen, and they were, they were planning. I mean, yeah. as a matter of fact, when we were deciding on what spots we might want to try, we thought of a lot of like, let's go up to the UP and do Whitefish Point. Well, there was a million people that were going to go to Whitefish Point yeah. or Mackinac yeah, yeah. Bridge. There was a ton of people who were going to be photographing the bridge, and so. You know, we tried to find a place and there was nobody where we were. No, no. And uh, we, you know, not that we're antisocial, but when we do a night photography, we really like to do, be, do it by ourselves. Well, you know, when when there's going to be a lot of other people there, people come and go with their cars. So you're dealing with the headlights and some people as they're setting up are using a um, a headlamp or a flashlight and that ruins your picture. And right. Um, if there's a lot of people, you got to be careful that you're not stumbling around and hitting their equipment or them hitting your equipment or yeah, it's just kind of nice to have a, have a space to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we headed up to the UP and uh, we got to um, the spot where we knew there was sharp tail grouse that were gathering and we got there before daylight. So mission accomplished. We did. So let's talk about the sharp tail grouse just a little bit. Our next picture, actually, we took a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago, because there was still a lot of snow on the ground. You want to describe the picture, Bill? So this picture is actually two grouse that um, this they're mating dance and in, in uh, I don't know what you would call it. I guess I would call it the dance and the parade. They uh, the sharp-tailed grouse, mostly the males, um, will chase each other around and they, um, I don't know if they're just posturing for females or if they're actually trying to dominate over others there or exactly what's going on. But um, this picture is two males that were uh, kind of staring each other off and one ran at the other one and uh, the the one that got frightened away went straight up in the air. And you can see a picture of the one uh, with his wings out like bat wings as he was rushing the other guy who went up in the air, just about straight up in the air. And well, the one actually bit the other one and pulled feathers yeah, out. If you look closely picture, in this picture, you can see a feather that's floating down to the ground. Um, yeah, they get kind of they territorial is what it is. They're yep. fighting for the the best spot in the lek. Hoping that the girl's going to drop in next to them. Right. And in the beginning, actually for weeks, it's all males who gather. And they, like Bill said, they posture, they dance, they um, pose, they make a lot of sounds, they fight. This picture is a fighting grouse. Um, and it's humorous and amazing and awesome to watch the whole, the whole thing take place. Yes, yeah, especially when you're, 
when you're able to take pictures of these guys, the sounds, um, when you're looking through the lens, you can almost feel it, the noises that they're making, because you can see their bodies pulsating and, and their necks kind of making these weird gestures that making the noises. And, and they also do this little dance where they, they, they look like little wind, wind up tin toys and their little feet go up and down, up and down, up and down. So yeah. you can hear them patting on the ground. And yeah. So I um, did just some quick research on sharp tail grouse. And you know how you always refer to them as let's go see the prairie chickens. Mm-hmm. Did you know that's a real name for them? Yeah. I thought you were just joking. I thought that's a nickname that you were making up. No, that's what they used to call them all the time. So there's a number of different birds that fall under the category of prairie chicken. And I would imagine all grouse probably do. Um, They have what's called a drum nape, which is um, a purple air sac, which are really, this is interesting, Bill. That is really extensions of their esophagus on the sides of their neck that they inflate and make a drumming sound with. That's interesting. Isn't that interesting? Um, so actually, let's go to the next picture because this one really shows off that drum nape. Yeah. Yeah, that's the color that's really crazy. So this is a picture that we took the morning of the Northern Lights night. And so you can see the snow has melted. And now you can tell this is a farmer's field. Yeah, a it's little actually bit of frost in the just field outside and- of a little town, too. It's it's almost in a residential area, but it is a farm field. I think it is, it's just a hay field. But um, yeah, these these birds uh, do their crazy dance for hours and hours in the mornings. Well, they, and then so they come, they gather first thing in the morning. And for probably about two or three hours, they will do this mating ritual. This Well, I, pre-mating ritual, because in the beginning, it's just the males. Right. And they all come in and they do this dance and fight and everything. And then um, evidently, and we've never seen this, eventually females will join them. And then I guess it's quite a riot. Yeah, we've uh, we've never been been there when it's when the girls this is gonna, have arrived. This is going to be the year. Maybe. Yeah, we got to keep checking on that. We got to keep checking. So I actually saw a picture recently on Instagram from another photographer out west, and it was. Um, what are the what are the grouse that are out in Montana, Bill? There's sage grouse that are out there. So it was a picture of a sage grouse, and they are even more spectacular than the sharp-tailed grouse. They got a whole bunch of different colors that, and their tails have these big, long, sharp, spiky feathers that come out. And yeah, but the picture was really cool and taken first thing in the morning, of course, and it was very warm-looking picture, and the sage grouse was all puffed out and you could see his drum nape is his uh you know kind of bloated out and yep. and there was long shadows and I just was really envious of that picture. I think this picture gets close to that, don't you think? Yeah. I was so excited when this particular grouse um did a little side profile for me and lifted up his feathers so you could see those purple spots on the side of his neck and um his tail was straight up. 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is a pretty cool one. Yeah, the you know the sun had just come up over the horizon, so that early morning sunlight was just warm, casting those nice long shadows, and I was pretty excited to get this picture. Yeah, you should be. It was a good one. So you, we talked about how they, how these male grouse will dance and carry on. Did you know that Native Americans often will use the movements of the um the grouse in their traditional dances did you know that i didn't but now that you mention it it uh, does make sense doesn't it make sense yeah yeah so they've you know observed and know the movements and the postures of these birds and that's what they do i we've got to get to one of those um the powwows and powwows yeah. Yeah. yeah i just that would be fun to photograph and and it's good to kind of know those little tidbits ahead of time because then you're looking for, yep. oh, yeah, I see I see what you mean. I see what they're doing. Yeah. Another thing I just learned about, and this is going to blow your mind. Did you know that sharp-tailed grouse, and also it's, I typed into Google, the Google uh, sharp-tailed grouse, and it corrected me. Did you mean sharp-tailed grouse? Mm-hmm. Did you know that that's the proper way to say it? Sharp-tailed? Yeah. Got to have that ED on it. Okay. Um, they said that, and they're in the same family of that ptarmigan, you know, our ptarmigan are found in the Arctic. Right. They're pretty much all like black and white. And that like ptarmigan, sharp-tailed grouse will sometimes tunnel in the snow to roost at night. Oh, that's interesting. I had no idea. <laughs> I would have thought that they would be, you know, work their way into an evergreen tree and get, you know, tight in there or something. Which right. maybe they do, but right. they sometimes will tunnel if in the snow. They have nowhere else to go, they'll just tunnel in the snow. Yeah, cuz birds pretty much always roost somewhere off the ground to to avoid um predators. Predators at night. So that's why the tunneling, I guess, is yeah. to hide themselves from predators. Yeah, they could do that. <laughs> I just so learn something really, new yeah, today. Yeah, learn something new. So a lek is a is a, a gathering or a group of grouse, and uh, where they gather is called the lecking grounds, and they will use the same location for years and years and years and years. Hmm. That's so, interesting. Yeah, we have seen this particular lack of grouse for what? Uh, four or five three, years now. Four or yeah. five, yeah. Yep. And we've seen some in a couple other places, although this year... This is the only place we've seen them so far. Right. And I would have said the first couple of times we went up to see, I would have thought, well, maybe it's still too early because one time we were up there and it was minus eight degrees. Yes. And then we we saw more then than we did this last weekend. Yeah. And this weekend it was what? It it was. Well, we said at the time there was a 40 degree difference between the time we'd been there two weeks earlier. Right. Yeah. So it was really warm. So we should have seen if there was other leks around. In the places that we've seen them before, we would have, I think we would have seen them. So I don't know what makes them abandon a lecking grounds, but. Um, I would guess probably humans more than anything. Probably. We're the problem everywhere, aren't we? We're kind of screwing things up. <laughs> we are screwing things up. So after a couple of hours of observing and photographing the sharp tailed grouse, we decided to move on. And although we don't have a picture of it, the first thing we saw next was a pure white snowy owl. We did. It was up on a utility pole. 
we wouldn't in a stop really, in a really weird position, actually. Yeah, kind of wedged between the two crossbars, and um, we would have stopped and taken a picture, but just something not that exciting about seeing a snowy owl on a utility pole. Although we have hundreds and yeah. hundreds of pictures if, of snowy owls on utility. If you've poles. never seen a snowy owl. You, sh- you, should you should stop. You should stop and see one on a utility pole because you do see them there more than anything else. But like Winnie said, we've we've had luck finding quite a few of them over the last few years, and we have taken a lot of them on the utility poles. And if we don't see anything else during the day, we take a picture just to say we took a picture of one right. on a utility pole. But that one was like, we'll just keep going. There was also there was another car parked that someone who was trying to take its picture so right we would have been right in their way so we'll we just were like, let we'll you just, have it we'll just keep on going yeah um but we do try to count how many we see this has not been a banner year for snowy owls no it has there been. have been years where we have seen almost 30 different in day. snowy in owls. yeah in one day um and this this has not been a year like that but um we get excited every time we see one and so we count. So that was snowy owl number one. Um, we saw a few more snowy owls way out in farm fields where way too far to take a picture. Right. Um, but we, we count them. Yeah, we stop and, and zoom in just to see, yep, yep, that's an owl. We yeah, because sometimes it. it's a white bucket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, a lot of times it's something like, oh. Or a plastic shopping bag. We get fooled by that bucket every time we go by. Here. Yeah, so some, some of them we've learned and we'll say, no, that's a bucket bird. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, we did finally, so the snowy owls we have learned over time will, um, start out the day pretty active when, when it's early morning, you know, sunrise. Yeah. Because they hunt at night mostly. Well, snowy owls will are unique that they will hunt during the day too, but generally speaking, right. They're active first thing in the morning and then at sunset. Yep. And uh, and then I think they settle in on utility poles for the night. Yeah, they're pretty safe on a utility pole. Oh yeah, nothing's going up there after. Them. Yeah. So um, so we saw one on a utility pole. So we started looking for them up high, and um, there's a barn that we have in years past seen snowy owls on the top of the barn quite frequently, and so as we drove up to the barn, although we saw evidence of an owl has probably been up there pooping away. <laughs> yeah, there was no owl on the barn. Right? And this old barn is starting to, it's, it's leaning. And in the last couple of years, whoever owns the barn has taken some, cut down some trees and used them as. Just propping them up. Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of shove the big old logs up against the barn to hold it up. Yeah. Because I think they still actually store hay and some equipment inside of this old barn. Right. So. Um, we looked at the top of the barn, didn't see anything. And then my eyes went to checking those posts to see how the barn's doing. And there was a snowy owl perched on one of those trees that are being used as a prop. Oh, you've got it, the picture big. Good. Yeah, I went to the next picture. Isn't it? Isn't it? This is. This was pretty cool. This is pretty cool. <laughs> so it's morning light and the sun was shining at the bird. Boy, you can see, you know. Highlights in his eyes, her eyes. She looks like she's smiling. Yeah, because it felt warm. You know that when you're when it's cold out, but the sun shines and you feel that heat from the sun hitting you. Yep, she's got the feeling. look on her face like, ah, uh, this sunlight feels good. Yeah. Even though snowy owls don't like it warm. 
So this is, I, I kind of really like this picture because it's really different to have all of that old barn wood in the background of the picture. Yeah. She's perched on this old tree that has bark that's hanging off, off of it. And yeah. Yeah. She must've been sitting on a little tiny, um, if you just zoom in on the picture, there's, off. yeah, there's just a little nub of a, of a branch that she's sitting on, yeah. but you can't see her talons or anything. They're all tucked up under no, her feathers. She's, she's, there might be more of a little nook there than it looks like. Yeah. But her eyes are very bright yellow yeah. and she just, and we pulled on to the side of the road. We use our car as a blind often and shoot pictures out the window. Um, I think that you actually got out of the car and kind of army crawled on the ground just a little bit to get a little different angle for a couple of shots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not enough that we would infringe or. No, I didn't want to push her or anything. I just took a few just because there was, uh, um, I wanted to get a little different angle, like you say, and there was a lot of kind of tallish grass in between. So I just kind of went out and went around to one side of where she was sitting there to get a different angle. And then I, Got back to the car. Yeah. And she just watched us all the time. She and, was just as interested in us as yeah. we are, were of her, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And she was, she was, she knew she had the, she had the advantage. Yeah. She was, she was in a good safe spot. Um, We should mention the pure white owl we saw would be a male. A mature male will be mostly white. A mature female will have a little speckling on it. And immature owls, both male and female, will have speckling. Right. But this was a good size snowy I owl. I think this was a big older female. She yeah. was she was a good size owl. Yeah. That was just beautiful. And also, if you look at the picture, you can see what a gorgeous day it was. Because can you see the... I'm going to go big again with it. You can see the blue sky. Through the barn. Through the cracks in the barn yep. a little bit. Yep. On the left-hand side of the picture, there's two yeah. lines of them that are shooting completely through the building yeah. to the blue sky on the other side. These were fun pictures. These would be good pictures to print. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, especially like print them on metal. That's what I'm thinking. The metal would make it really pop out. Yeah, gorgeous. Almost like the the bark of the tree and stuff, the, that texture just jumps out on a metal print. Wow, aren't you sounding artistic, Bill? That's my big words for the day. <laughs> metal print yeah and texture texture so yeah i mean there's the texture of the barn wood which everybody loves yeah you can see the saw marks and the rough cut wood and and then the really rough bark from the tree that's the, the tree log that the bird is perched on and her feathery softness and that little tiny punch of blue coming through from the background yeah i really yeah I like that picture. this would be a good print be a good print if you're ever interested in getting a print from Quiet Shutter Photo, just let us know. We're happy to work with you. We can hook you up. We can hook you up. So, so let's go to the next picture. Okay. And this was also exciting to see. <laughs> this is another snowy owl, and this looks like another female, because this was also a good size. Yeah. You know, I wonder, though, sometimes, like with eagles... The juvenile eagles actually sometimes look bigger than the mature bald eagles. Yeah, and it's because from what they've I got understand, so much fluff, there's so right? much fluff that, but they do. Immature eagles look like a third bigger than the the adults. I wonder if that but could be true with it, the owls too. It could this, be. This but a, this was another big owl. This one might, actually might even been bigger than the other one. 
Yeah, and but it's got so much flecking yeah. on it that yeah. makes me wonder. Look at the top of its head even. There's a lot of dark flecking. There's a lot of black. Yeah. So this is a snowy owl that is perched on top of a fence post. And this is a fairly new fence. So it's it's still got the womanized look about it, right? Right. Right. It doesn't look gray and and some of the, where the area where we are, they're just trying to replace some of the old fencing in there on the hay fields, the old treated lumber. Well, this particular area, um, I know why they put this fence up because they have a bison herd that they were keeping in. This was a summer oh, pasture. There was were, no bison in it. There was no apparently. bison there. No, but this is a summer pasture. Oh, patch. I didn't pasture, excuse me. For, um, it was a, yeah there. these logs and that are making this fence are pretty substantial yeah and the wire yeah so um so this this bird this snowy owl was perched on top of this fence post well it wasn't at first right you're right it was on the ground which we thought oh cool one right on the ground right on the ground and, and right on little, the side of the road and it was a little bit of snow that it was actually sitting in and uh yeah, but we, just as we approached it, it jumped up and got on the top of the post. Yeah. It only went okay. like 10 feet, which we thought it was just going to fly away. It only went about 10 feet. Yeah. So it wasn't really startled by us all that much. And honestly, I think if I were that owl, that was a smart thing to do. Because down on the ground, it was shaded and snowy cold. Yep. Up on the top of that fence post, he was getting that nice early morning sunlight. Probably felt good. Yep. He so, may have just eaten something on the ground. Oh, there he the, may have. Yeah. Um, he's in this picture, he is facing away from us yep. with his body, but his head is turned around with, with almost with probably 300 degrees. It's crazy how much he twisted his, his head around. Yeah, it was, it's amazing. So owls, I mean, the myth is that they can just swivel their head completely around. They really can't. They can turn their head all the way to the back one direction but then they can't go further. Then they can turn their head all the way back and go the other direction to that same point. Right. But they can't just swivel it around like a screw right. in a hole. <laughs> yeah. So his body was facing directly away from us and he had pivoted his head all the way. He wasn't looking at us. He was looking off. Right. But again, he was close enough that we got really good details. You can see the yellow of his eyes and the sun is hitting his face and his back and beautiful. And the back. The sky in the back is, um, it's not a really bright blue, maybe a Wedgwood blue, but it just sets off the color of the owl and the warmth of the bottom from the field. and Almost a Tiffany blue, but not quite. Wed oh, there Wed you go. I'm just kidding. Keep going, Bill. Keep going. <laughs> I like it when you put your art on. <laughs> Anyways, that was exciting. That was an exciting owl. And then we saw a few more again that were too far away to... Yeah. To photograph. But um, so was that it for the day, Bill, then? Or then did we start heading home? I mean, we'd been up for a long time. Well, if we go to the next picture. What's the next picture? One more of the owl. I forgot. We did one more loop. We did one more loop. And then this is the same uh, owl that had been up on the on the wood pole. That by was the barn. Up by the barn. And we went back through the one last time on our last run before we got back on our way home, this guy was sitting on the ground right by the, one of the logs. Yeah. There. So what happens with the snowy owls is you, if you want to see them, you need to be out 
early in the morning or towards the evening, towards sunset when they're active. But in the middle of the day, they hunker down. And we have seen owls do that, land on the ground, walk a few feet and disappear into a little, you know, a little hollow in the ground. Yeah, a little and you snow would never drift know they're up there. next, tight next to something and you just don't. You just don't see them. You don't see them. They can disappear in front yeah. of your eyes. We've had, we've seen them where they were, you know, they were in broad daylight, take three hops in behind a snow drift or something, and they're, they're gone. 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 You just don't, you don't yeah. see them. Actually, some of the owls that we saw that day that were off in the distance was interesting. They would be sitting at the very end of a little spit of snow in the in a field. Right. And uh, it would just look like, you know, a little snowball or something at the end of the, the little what was left of snow. Yep. And if you didn't know what you were looking for. It would blend right in. You wouldn't even notice it. Actually, this picture um, is, uh, I took a few that weren't zoomed in this much to begin with. And you really couldn't tell that the bird was there. Right. Because he blended in so much with the background he was around. Right. It, I, you know, often I, when I'm preparing for our podcast, there's so many pictures I'd like to include in, in the show, in the podcast, but you know, you can only do so many and you don't want to listen to us for three hours drone on about the same thing. But I liked, I picked this picture because he's given us a little side eye. Yep. If you're able to zoom in on this picture, you can see he's nestled into a bunch of, you know, last year's grass. Yeah. dried grass. There's a little bit of snow behind him. You can see that log um, leaning over top of where he is, but he is well aware that we are there. Oh, he definitely he given... looks like he's looking off to the side and trying to go to sleep, but you can yeah. see from his eye. He knows we're there. He's paying attention. Yeah. Really pretty. Yeah. Really pretty. So after, uh, after that, we went home, we started heading home and, that's just the Saturday of our um, no vacation, no vacation weekend. Right. I don't have pictures from the rest of it, but we basically did rinse, wash, and repeat, right? we The next day, uh, we got up early to check for northern lights. And uh, the northern lights the next day did not appear. And the conditions weren't as good. There was fog, right? There was. It, I went down to the lake um, like I had done the night before. And took two pictures. Neither one of them had any yeah. any color at no all. Hint, yeah. And uh, when I was walking down there, I had a headlamp on, and there was definitely fog in the air. And it, I just don't think even if we could see northern lights, they they would have been um, very muted and just not a good picture at all. So um, we did head up early to the UP in search of snowy owls again, and this time we were skunked. Yeah, we didn't, didn't see, see any snowy we, owls. It's entirely possible that the ones that we'd seen the day before were just migrating through, but going back north. So the we went on to the Sini Wildlife Refuge, which is closed right now. But um, you can always park in the parking lot at Sini and do a little two mile hike that goes around the visitor center and around um one of the ponds there. Now Bill is very used to being up all night and working. <laughs> I it just I. I was just, I was totally wasted from the weekend already. So I stayed in the car and took a nap and Bill took the two mile hike and you saw some swans. I did. Um, maybe we'll add a picture of those to another podcast, but 
the swans had found just a little opening in ice and were taking turns swimming in the well, the one was in the water all the time I was there, and the other one was on top of the icing. And I don't know if it was, I'm assuming there was a, it was a couple. And um, the one, yeah, I think swans mate for life. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I thought. I, you know, like I, I guess I didn't know if it was a male or a female that was in the water, but. Uh, and what was interesting about this pair of swans is that one of them had a collar on its neck that had a number on it, K, 4K. 4K, I think it was, yeah. And attached to that was like a GPS tracking device. Yeah, it was almost like a piece of PVC pipe they wrapped around his neck. I felt sorry for the swan, quite honestly. but And it looks like it's been there for quite a while. I looked up the number on a website where you can track birds and uh, found it. The last reported sighting of 4K or K4, whichever it was, um, was in 2019. So he's had it on at least that long. And you said that when he would dip his head down in the water and then lift his head back up, that that little tag, tube, whatever it is, would slip up its neck and then it would slip down its neck. And yeah, yeah it just does seem a little a bit. It's a collar and it's not tight, but it just looks but like. But that little GPS tracking device on it, it's about the size of a, like a square battery for your camera, right? It's. Yeah, or even a little bigger heavy. than that. Almost looks like, like the size of a cigarette. Uh, oh, is that it? Was that it, big? It was that big? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And somehow that seems kind of cruel to. Yeah, I'm sure it's all science as far as that goes. I mean, obviously like, he's surviving, but right, right. I just, I mean, I understand why they do that, and it's a necessary data for stuff. But I, I wouldn't want to be the animal that got tagged myself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. seems like so. We saw a snowy owl a few years ago that had a tag on it. it and did. it was a really large, like the size of a teacup saucer. Yeah. A plastic it round. Looked like, it looked like a piece of styrofoam plate that they cut out and stuck on the there side. There was a number it. on it. And then that was somehow attached to his wing. Yeah. And to me, that just would be so invasive. I don't, I don't know. Right. What do I know? Right. To the layman, it looks cruel. <laughs> yeah. But um, so after Sini, we actually met up with a friend who lives in the UP. Um, we um, unfortunately had a loss this weekend. My uncle, Al Hardman, had passed away. He um, he's a big, important person to us in our life. And he was also um, involved in dog mushing and run the Adirod and um I said we weren't going to talk about this on this episode because I think that down the road we can do a full episode about Al Hardman. Um, but we did stop and and commiserate a little bit with a friend who's also um, a friend of Al's. And then we went home and I could not stay awake in the car. <laughs> I was falling asleep. My head was dropping over. <laughs> There was a little snoring and drool involved, but we weren't going to say anything about that. <laughs> we packed a lot into the weekend, but man, I was exhausted. <laughs> so uh, we promised you that for season two of our podcast, that we would end every podcast with something positive, a positive story, a positive picture, something that happened to us that we felt was positive. Uh, we just think there should be more good stories in the world. And so if you go to our last picture, this is very positive. We thought this was fun. 
If you listen to our <laughs> podcast and you listen to the uh, podcast episode in season one called Just Shut Up and Vote, where we showed you pictures of campaign posters from all over northern Michigan. Um, one of the pictures was from Harbor Springs, Michigan. There's a, a big, beautiful home that has a cedar hedge that's trimmed and carved into the shape of SpongeBob. And he was holding a Trump sign. Yeah. Well, we passed by that house again on our staycation weekend. And you will be happy to know that SpongeBob has been well taken care of for the winter. Do you want to talk about this picture? This Bill? picture is uh, SpongeBob's all wrapped up in his, his, his I'm going to say his winter underwear. <laughs> it's really landscaping like canvas, right? Yeah, it's or, canvas that they would wrap around the whole thing. So the deer don't need him is what they did that for. But yeah, um, so he's all wrapped up. But they left his teeth and his eyes exposed. And they, you can see they put a little winter snowman's hat on. Yeah. And it looks like maybe there was a cluster of uh, Christmas, Christmas lights, lights on one arm or something there, too. But So SpongeBob, SpongeBob SquarePants, who voted for Donald Trump, believe it or not, is all, yeah, he is well cared for. He was taken care of for the winter. So this was SpongeBob winterized looks like this is winterized SpongeBob. When we drove by there, we both laughed. <laughs> we so laughed. Hard. And we went, oh, we got to go take. We that drove picture. around the block and <laughs> so we could get a picture. So if you were worried about Cedar Hedge SpongeBob, he is fine. Yes, he's probably going to be brightening back up again shortly. I wonder when they'll take his winter pajamas off. <laughs> I wonder if they have outfits for him for different times of the year. We'll find out. Yes, we, we will. will. Keep we you will posted. let you know. <laughs> so thank you for joining us for the Winnie and Bill Chat Podcast. Before we leave, I want to thank Anchor Podcasting for providing a free podcast platform that you can access either from the internet or from a smartphone on your, um, I mean, an app on your smartphone. Uh, it's easy to use. If we can do it. You can do it. Our theme music for season two is from the band called Caffeine Creek, and we found it on Pixabay. And we also want to thank our son, Andrew Johnston, Outdoor Andy TV on Instagram and Twitch. Uh, he is our sound engineer and got us all set up with our equipment and helps us dial it all in so that uh, we sound good. Thanks, everybody, for making us sound good. And thanks for everyone else for listening in this week. And I hope you have a great week. We'll see you. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye-bye.